No, I think it was, a, was a bad joke about Adele. Yeah. Crossing the road. Yeah. So she could say hello from the other side. Yeah. Oh. Are we getting our music? Is that up. our music coming in? Yes, I think that's our music. Okay. I think Confirmed. it's time for us to, to start the show. Okay. Then. Uh, so without any further ado, welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Daniel Boone to your James Hogg. Whoa. <laughs> Let me explain. So James Hogg is my seventh great grandfather. Mm-hmm. He was one of the, the trustees of the Transylvania Company. Mm-hmm which is the company that hired Daniel Boone to go survey what is now Kentucky mm-hmm. because they wanted to make the 14th colony Transylvania. So okay. it's kind of like if they're the trustee of the company paying us as Daniel Boone to go like blaze a trail to video perfect. Is that when he went through the Cumberland Gap? That's Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a really cool story. It is. There, there's a lot of really interesting stuff around there. Um, and But the tra- Transylvania company was right up the road in Hillsborough. So. That's right. I've seen his sign over there. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of local history. Yeah. All right. Um, well, without any further ado, welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. Joining us today is David Olson, who is no stranger to regular listeners of the cast. For those of you who, who are listening for maybe the first time, uh, David is our content strategist, our storyboard content creative director, and I like groups of three. Let's fill in the blank here. Mm. Um, uh, marionette, in-house, in-house marionette, marionette resident. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, welcome back, David. You are a guest on this episode because what we're doing in this episode is uh, taking a look back at the trends that we predicted would be uh, forthcoming in 2020, about around last year when we did this. And since you were a part of that, um, since 2020 has been such a shit show, it makes sense to look back and think of what we thought. And since you were a part of that, we figured we'd hold you accountable just as much as we were holding <laughs> ourselves accountable to what we thought. So, um, welcome. Um, I understand also, David, that you, um, like any good guest on the podcast, you brought your own sponsor for this episode. Yeah, absolutely. It's a new sponsor this week. Um, again, I was really honored that they reached out, uh, knowing that I was booked to uh, be a guest on the podcast today. So, uh, this week's sponsor is people pads, people pads. All right. Um, yeah, we're happy to have yep. them, too. We'll hear mm-hmm. a full spot from them later on in the episode. Yeah, as usual, I haven't actually read the copy yet, so... That's always a good bet. I don't bet. know exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I can tell you right now, I'm wearing one, and I'm it's fantastic. Great. Okay, we'll see if that lines up with what the actual product <laughs> is. Who knows? None of us know, because none of us have read the copy. Um, all right, well, I hope you're enjoying your people pad. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, let's see. Ah, yes, kind of jumped the gun a little bit. So I wanted to start this out with the fact that, so I think there are two reasons that I want to do this episode. One is because, you know, every like content creator that does a like predictions for next year or trends for next year, like you see that around this time every year, but I don't recall ever seeing anybody go back and like hold themselves accountable hmm. to whether they were right on trends or predictions. Hmm. So I, I, so like I think there's a level to that that like as a content creator you kind of owe it to your audience to say like all right well these were our wild guesses and we were a little off. Now given the year we've had, 
it seems like probably nothing that we predicted uh, actually happened. And so it's just worth like doom scrolling our own conversation just to to see how what we thought might happen this year didn't for obvious reasons. I don't know. Well, David has something to say. Yeah. But I would, uh, I, I might I, disagree. I was just going to point out that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Ha! Get it? Mm-hmm. That one's for you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. I like that. That's why you're our in-house marionette. Um, <clears throat> okay, so um, we were working from the outline of last year's. I think we ended up with two two episodes, episodes yeah, seventeen and eighteen. Um, <clears throat> we're planning for this to be a two-part episode, but part one is looking back on what we predicted last year, and then part two, which will come out in two weeks, will be kind of our bold predictions for twenty twenty one. Sort of episode, looking backwards, looking forwards. Yes, very much. Mm-hmm. Very much. And how clever of us to schedule it for the last week in January, uh, December and the first week in January. Right. Very Janusian <laughs> of us. All right. So it looks like the first thing we talked about last year um, was quantity over quality. And as I recall, that was talking more about video content producers churning out more content that was maybe on less grand of a scale. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I want to go so far as to call it scrappy content because that's kind of our word for cheap, but mm-hmm. but understanding that there needs to be consistency of delivery of video content mm-hmm. and that that was going to outweigh so that you may may you may spend the same $200,000 on 20 videos or 26 videos, one for every other week or something like that, then you might spend on like two or three video, two or three like tent pole type videos mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I really haven't thought about this much. I, I feel like I feel like that happened, but for different reasons. I feel like once we got to the second part of the year, um, and people were kind of over the COVID like freakout period, mm-hmm. and like this is going to kind of be our normal for a while. I feel like then we certainly saw, at the very least, on one end of it was a scaling back of these larger productions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, partially to keep set sizes down yeah. and whatnot. Um, but I think I think largely this was true. It, the prediction did did happen and I think it was aided by technology there are more and more platforms out there that are offering like churnable or like high volume video where all you have to do is like send a couple images and a couple titles and then they'll like either through AI or whatever compile something you maybe could even throw them like a, a bucket of footage and it'll create like a little slideshow and title thing uh, I know there's a couple services out there that do that mm-hmm. for really, really cheap. And the point is to get a lot of content because it is so ephemeral. You look at LinkedIn and you may see a video once and never see it again, mm-hmm. especially if it's unpaid. You know, another thing that, that we noticed from Vidyard was that they made smartly. They made a lot of their shift from kind of being for marketing sales and other or marketing sales and customer success they went all in on video selling yes. this year. Yep. 
And so you could for, for again, I think obvious reasons, because you couldn't have face to face meetings and, and those kinds of things. So the video, I mean, video selling exploded this year. And so you could actually put, you know, there may not be um, there may not be a, 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 an apples to apples production budget comparison for like one to one asynchronous yeah. video zero budget but as much video selling has happened i think you saw more you know what we call micro demos things like that that content that can be shared by salespeople because they were using video to communicate themselves and then share video content it, it feels like there there was a lot more of that kind of needs based yeah. uh more focused content yeah. that was you know then being funneled through the sales channel as opposed to the marketing channel. I would love to see a comparison of content created by salespeople versus content created by marketing. That's interesting. Because salespeople, I mean, not only were people forced to video sell because they couldn't uh, couldn't be in person, um, but there, there are more platforms now available. Like, you know, Drift has a video mm-hmm. uh, messaging integration. Um They've also made it easier, even even not, maybe not even salespeople, but like managers and whatnot for for the asynchronous video is sending little daily tips or motivation or recaps or whatever. Um, I just like to see w- how the the marketing content level production uh, in quantity, and then everything outside of marketing, and see like from a year to year comparison. From 2019 versus 2020, I bet there, that would be a huge jump in terms of content yeah. creation outside of the marketing department. Uh, it's, and it's probably pretty, you know, a, a platform like Vidyard, it's probably pretty easy to track, you know, the the number of video assets that are in an organization's account and what's in the marketing folder and what's what are, you know, if among they, the yeah, sales if they pay for it. Yeah. I've noticed yeah. that a lot of again, through different platforms, we've noticed that a lot of our prospects are using Vidyard for free. Yeah. At uh, 246 at a company just down the road. Yeah. And they don't pay a dime, but 246 salespeople are using free accounts at Vidyard. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Not to step on our 2021 trends, but I imagine this is a trend that will probably continue into next year because by necessity, so many people had to learn how to be on camera this year, had to buy their own, um, you know, webcams, uh, set up their own little mini production studios, whether they're in sales or whether they're just in any department at a company. So I imagine that will just naturally segue into people feeling more comfortable uh, putting themselves on camera, people feeling more comfortable putting their content out there now that it's just become kind of the this year. And so no doubt you'll start to see that sort of lower quality video being, you know, used throughout companies everywhere where they're just posting something on LinkedIn, like you were saying, or, you know, sending a, a, a go video, uh, to a prospect. Um, so yeah, I imagine that that's something that we're only seeing the beginning of right now yeah. and that'll continue to grow a lot. And to your point, I mean, you bought that guitar just so it could be in the background of your, <laughs> your go video and podcast uh, appearances. It's actually painted to the wall. Yeah. It, it looks <clears throat> if you it looks like a real object, but if you moved your webcam, the perspective would be off and it wouldn't look three D. But like the shadows exactly right. are painted into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. No, that's good work. Uh, your wife your wife is very talented. Just like uh, 
Yes. Just like fitness equipment, like as soon as the pandemic broke, all the fitness equipment, you couldn't find it yeah. anywhere. Yeah. Well, camera equipment and th- that sort of thing was impossible to find as well. We were trying to get people on our team set up with yeah. that. Um, and now that that infrastructure is there, not just there's, there's like the hard infrastructure, like all the hardware that goes along with it. And, but there's like the soft infrastructure of people learning how to behave on camera and how to clearly articulate things and how to be themselves and had to have like a, a mini set in their house. Yeah. Uh, I was on LinkedIn learning yesterday and I noticed that, uh, there's a course that's maybe two months old, three months old, I think it was. That's, you know, nonverbal communication on video chats, basically. I, I don't think at this point last year, anybody would have thought that LinkedIn Learning would have a course on mm-hmm. nonverbal communication yeah. on, on Zoom meetings um, uh, or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think I think when you think about video overall as a tool and not just like producing marketing content, I think I, I think in retrospect, we were dead on. I think a lot more video was made. Mm hmm by a lot more people a lot quicker um, because of the pandemic. I think it would have happened without the pandemic. I think we were right about that. But this is just one of those things that forced that like evolutionary leap. I think on the other side of, of that is budgets for, for high quality productions were almost eliminated. Yeah. I mean, a lot of our clients put things on hold. Yep. Um, and so that brought that number down mm-hmm. and then it forced yeah. everybody else to go up. Well, and, and I mean, a, you know, a, a spinoff of this conversation too is, you know, we could say, and, and maybe, th- maybe this is also stepping on our next episode. Um, I haven't thought about that one yet, but uh, you know, we've certainly seen more requests for animation work, mm-hmm. um, this year and we've done more animation work than we've done in a regular year because there have been those you know, on set restrictions mm-hmm. and we've figured things out, but it's still just not, you know, week after week, um, doing big production. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're, you know, we're fortunate to be a big enough video agency that we could pivot. I know a lot of our onset freelancers have not had, uh, as easy a time because if the shoots dry up, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, shall we move on to our next point of discussion? Uh, so yeah, our next topic um, from last year was AI in video, um, which is a very broad topic. And I think as we uh, discussed last year, it's very buzzwordy. Um, AI as a, it applies to just about anything, um, but particularly as it applies to video. And we specifically were kind of talking about the ways that AI is going to be assisting creative. Um, how AI is going to start uh, influencing video and search and um, AI in terms of translations, localizations, and globalizations. Um, So starting with assisting creative, um, we talked about some of those new uh, features or services that some platforms are rolling out, things like Adobe Audio Awesomizer, bumper machine and YouTube director. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about you guys. I don't know that something like Adobe audio off necessarily. Um, but maybe we just didn't have an opportunity to use something like that. Maybe mm-hmm. other people found it useful. But. 
I think um, I think you do director went away this year. Did it really? Even. I say that again. I think YouTube director went away this year. <clears throat> maybe that was the maybe that was director on site. Yeah, I think that's what it was. That went away <clears throat> this year, or maybe last year. Where they would have somebody show up for like two hundred dollars yeah. and shoot something like. As of this morning, it still exists. Um, I think they what they did is they did some kind of pause and revamp because when I was looking at it um, in preparation for this, there's two different things. There's YouTube Director, which is the AI version, which is sort of like enabling um, individuals to create video content. And then the AI kind of assists with some of the creative and sort of how to break that down into pieces that can be used um, in in AdWords. And that's that's the and one that, that like you upload, um, you know, a dozen titles, a dozen video screens, a dozen um, music options, and then you kind of put in your parameters and it puts the right copy with the right visual with the right music. That's director. I think that's director, right? That's the right. AI-driven director. Then, yeah. Right. And then YouTube director on-site, um, which does still exist. And in fact, um, the, I think it's really interesting that it's not, it looks like they've expanded sort of some of their service offerings because now it's available in a few more cities than it previously was. Hmm. Um, it's in LA, New York, Chicago, Atlanta. Um, but that's not, a, more. that's not an AI product. Necessarily. It's not. It's assisting it, creative, but, with, but it's not machines doing it. Right. But what's interesting is that they're sort of like, they, they're continuing to invest in that what YouTube director onsite is, which to explain what it is, is if you agree to spend $150 within 10 days on Google AdWords, um, YouTube will actually send a director <laughs> to your uh, physical location. I bet they're an award. I bet they're an award winning filmmaker. Yes. <laughs> so. Interesting you say that. If you look at the partners that um, they have uh, put together for this program, it's a lot of video as a service platform providers, which are like, um, it's almost like subcontracting a subcontractor, a subcontractor. Uh, but the idea that they still offer this suggests that like, there's still a recognition that you can't just have AI do everything. You need the human element when it comes to video creation in some instances. Mm -hmm. And so there seems to be an acknowledgement that maybe it's just a massive like AB test from YouTube or something, but uh, that does seem to be an acknowledgement that maybe AI can't do everything mm -hmm. when it comes to video creation and uh, distribution for you. So uh, it still exists, but um if anybody out there is considering using it, who lives in one of those cities, I uh, consider calling us first um, <laughs> because it might be cheaper in the short term, but I imagine you'll be uh, dissatisfied in the long run. But uh, that's just my I, opinion. I, I don't think that AI can can create raw assets. It can take asset raw assets and make something out of it, but I mm -hmm. don't believe that I don't, at this point. There, there's no AI that I know of that can operate a camera and and decide what to shoot yet. Right. I mean, they're, they're, drone technology may get there someday. It may be just as easy as, like, it, it you know, a, a drone could 
have all the information as to what humans like, or you could plug in a certain persona and you know that these personas like quick, quick cuts and tight shots. Mm-hmm. And then AI just does a bunch of like the drone just does all that stuff yeah. on set or wherever it is. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I think you need to produce, you need to provide the basic assets. But if we go back to the platforms that you were talking about in the quantity over quality piece, a lot of those are marketing themselves as big asterisk, you know, AI driven editing, right? So you basically, you give them that copy, right? You, you fill out a form, basically. You, oh, you give them the copy, those ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? You, you maybe pick like some brand colors and... I don't think it's necessarily artificial intelligence that's doing it. I think it's just a basic program. I don't think that program is learning and getting any better. I think it just knows to take this copy, put it in this font, in this color, on you know, on what's essentially an After Effects file yeah. or something like that. And it's kicking out a lot of those templated I things. I imagine that's how most of them work. There's probably some machine learning going on. I, 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 would, ho- I would hope that some, some company that's doing that is investing in machine learning. So Somebody that is, but I think of every 10 that you see on LinkedIn or Instagram that are saying, you know. 10 videos per month for nine ninety nine. Exactly. Uh, or $99 or $79. Mm-hmm. I don't think those ones are using AI. That And they may be advertising themselves in a, as AI, but basically what they're doing is they're using a very simple you know, program mm-hmm. um, that I don't even know if I would call an algorithm. I guess if it's an if then type statement, if text exists in this field, then put it in this font and this color. Yeah. On the, I mean, but I don't think from, you know, to me, artificial intelligence is is as it iterates, it learns. Mm-hmm. It does things better. It learns how to make different choices. And so maybe one out of every 10 of those that is advertising is actually using artificial sure. intelligence. Um, but uh, I think that's you know from a from an assisting creative standpoint that may be the best place where we see um, AI. I, AI to me is just generally speaking something I feel like I heard a lot less about this year than I did last year. Yeah, that could be in part because we were intimately involved with an AI machine learning uh, company. But <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, no, that's a that's a valid point. It's a valid no, but point. I, but on my front, doing a lot of the business development, I've seen a lot, like, I think I've seen people tone down the AI language in their, in their byline. Um, but like, like when I, when I see, when I get the crunch base alerts every day as to who got funded yesterday, the number of, like last year, I felt like I saw a lot of AI driven, uh, you know, employee satisfaction, something or other. Mm. And every day you'd see like three of those. Um, that was less this year. And I think maybe people were just sick of saying it and they, they, AI is a part of it still, but it's less, Could less be. a headline. Yeah. Um, another thing we talked about uh, last year was AI video in search. And uh, I saw this just this week, in fact. Um, and it was, um, it was our holiday video from last year actually showing up on Google in kind of a second section down from like the ad at the top that was just video results. And what's weird is it was formatted differently Wait, than I've back, usually back me up. seen. I want to know how you, so you were on Google. So I was on Google. And you searched and, something. Uh, yeah. And I searched like a very shining Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the title of our piece. Cause mm-hmm. I figured that would take me to the blog post 
on our site where we had it or whatever. But what I was surprised by is that the video on our blog post actually showed up at the top of the results in a video section. Mm -hmm. Now, I've seen videos come up before, yeah. but this was formatted differently than what I'd seen before. It felt like almost a deeper indexing mm -hmm. than like the typical YouTube type stuff. And, and I think just because it was such a specific Well, it's not search, even on YouTube. Right. So, right. Yeah. But, but like, I think it was such a specific search that it may just be, and there were just two options. And again, that was a specific search, but it just didn't, it didn't have like, you know, the thumbnail with the link. It was, and so I don't know if they just recently did a formatted thing or if they're allowing video to be indexed better mm -hmm. and it's showing up even in longer tail search type mm -hmm. stuff. I imagine because I think anything related to search does have heavy AI involvement. Mm -hmm. I imagine that as a function of improved AI in search mm -hmm. and, and video content being indexed in search mm -hmm. and those kinds of things. Around this time last year is when they, <clears throat> excuse me, when they started to offer a couple uh, specific YouTube creators the ability to bookmark or whatever certain topics. Like, mm -hmm. like if, if it's like, if I want to learn how to, how to uh, prune a apricot tree or I don't, I don't know. This that segment from it will bring 127 you to, to yeah. yeah. So they started I, to do that last year. I haven't seen a whole lot of that show up on. I saw a decent amount of it. This, uh, amount of it this year, and a lot of it was on how-to stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah. like, I, I've seen quite a bit. Yeah. I, if I, you do, you know, cooking and home repair and things like that, mm. it'll pretty much um, for a lot of them, it'll it'll cut right to like 133, where you want where you see how to you know, uh, put up drywall or whatever. And it's interesting because they're still hedging their bets a little bit because it says like suggested snippet. Yeah. Um, and so it may, but, but I just recently did some very basic work to my car. It was replacing a rusted exhaust hanger. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one, I wanted to see how hard a fix was that going to be. And then if it was a relatively easy fix, what piece would I need to buy mm -hmm. to do that? Um, and so then of course, if I, if it was easy to do, and I was going to buy the piece, then I just want to be able to see how to install it properly. And I basically put like rear exhaust hanger Volvo S60. And one of the first things that came up was this like four and a half minute video, but it said suggested segment, mm -hmm. you know, a minute 30 to a minute 45 or mm -hmm. whatever. And I clicked on it and it started right at the beginning of, of a section where the whole video was him talking about like the different exhaust hangers. But it went right to the part of the rear exhaust hanger. Mm -hmm. um, and so what's nice is they at least like send you to the video with a start time. But then you get to scrub on either side and see if there is additional sure. information. Um, I think that was originally a manual input by the uh, yeah. creator. Yes, I saying, believe that Here's is this right. section, here's this section, here's this section. And then YouTube would index that. I I have to believe that they are, they are making a change or starting to, so they just needed data sets, right? They needed, right. They needed to test like, it and see what works. Kind of like Mechanical Turk, right? They needed like, they needed creators to put in information yep. so that they could train their Create AI learning sets, yeah. to listen to or, or even just validate. I mean, that could have been a big A-B test. Creators mark these segments out and then they just use that data to put against what their AI was already finding and validate mm -hmm. the right choices mm -hmm. and the wrong choices. That's AI. That's machine learning. Mm -hmm. Um, Google Cloud 
has Cloud Video Intelligence API right now, uh, which does uh, it's it's basically starting to learn exactly what is in each video from a visual standpoint. What this is that's a cat, that's a desk, that's a red shirt, um, and so they're starting to index actual images as well. And I'm not sure if this is like this said you can start here for free. Um, and they got a case study down at the bottom. So this is this is uh, cloud.google.com slash video intelligence. I'm sure you'll find it if you look for it. Um, I imagine we'll put the link right here. Somewhere. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's, it's helping companies with huge amounts of, like think of media companies. Uh, the, the New York Times, I'm sure they have video articles mm-hmm. all over the place. And they're just sitting back there. With like with the same metadata that they had when they uploaded it. Mm-hmm. Now this is finding new metadata or additional metadata um, that maybe humans missed or did weren't active enough to put in, and it's making video a lot easier to find. And I think that's only gonna, I mean that's that's gonna be a huge asset to people who are looking for video content, uh, but also people who have a huge library already. Yeah. But yeah, there's a there's a cool. Um, just a little snippet here to kind of give you an idea uh, of what. The, so CBS, the station or whatever it is, technically. Uh, it looks like CBS's digital channel. Yeah. Uh, video intelligence allows CBS Interactive to plug into our existing video encoding framework to generate video meta- metadata. It provides us with options to use as is or to enhance other models. The performance and reliability allows us to enhance the video experience for our customers and improve content awareness and personalization. Um, and so we'll get to personalization in a little bit. What'd you say? We'll get to personalization. Oh, okay, in a yeah, bit. yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool program, and I think you can just bring this API into what you're doing. I think you get like a thousand hours for free every month, and then beyond that, you start paying. So I, I imagine as they start to make this more available, more people will start using it, and it'll only improve the performance. And you know, increase the the necessity for that uh, for organizations with a lot of video content, like YouTube. Do we need to talk about translations, localization, globalization? Oh, yeah. I haven't been traveling, so I haven't been aware of a lot of this. Um, I feel like the cruise industry took a bit of a a hit this yeah. year. So uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I. I mean. Yeah, I think there were certainly advances in that kind of stuff. I don't think you're seeing such widespread use because travel was limited. I think global economic expansion was limited. But then again, this year. media consumption went up. Yeah. So did I mean whatever shows were being produced or were already on Netflix, are they now more available to people in a province of China that before they didn't have that dialect included in the translation? Yes. I think in those situations, yes, there's pro- there's there's certainly an opportunity. But I think big picture, when you think about what globalization, localization is, you know, international expansion of business, things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where it's I mean, it's the behind the scenes stuff. It's not the stuff you see every day, but I would say 90 percent of that stuff are business cases mm-hmm. moving <clears throat> into new markets. And, I, you know, just across the board, across the world. Those growth models expansion into into <clears throat> new new global markets just almost entirely yeah. contracted this mm-hmm. year. Um, so I, I imagine the smart companies were able to spend more time developing better 
software AI platforms for, you know, maybe some kind of expansion that was put on hold. So hopefully there's more yeah. more money and time put into those things this year um, so that when, you know, things start to ramp up again, it'll be better quality than we would, you know, at rollout sure. next year than we would have gotten if it had been rolled out this year mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, I, I put this note here. This is kind of adjacent to this conversation, but um, as a small example, IGTV has introduced auto captions and okay, well, YouTube already has auto captions, but I think it's important because a couple things. One, it, first of all, if you're scrolling, right, you don't always want to hit and hear the volume on IGTV, but it catches your eye. It, it suddenly engages you with, with text, with the verbal text of like what's happening in this video, obviously. But every one of those auto captions, if you'll notice, it begins with like a warning that says like these captions were created automatically, which scares um, me. Or intrigues me, honestly. It's, it, it intrigues me, but it's a step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can see the natural progression of that step is, you know, expanding into other languages and localization. But that just gives content creators who are using IGTV the the option or the possibility to have their content distributed globally instead of just being in the native language um, using auto captions where they don't have to do anything other than just click a button. Um, and, so it's interesting again, and what maybe could, stepping on, and what could go wrong if you're doing a localized translation based on an incorrect auto caption in the native language, what could go wrong? You could I don't know, I make strange perfume ads. Of, yeah. Yeah. You could come up with a lot of different creative concepts that would, uh, involve that type of a scenario. I'm <laughs> sure, but let's not talk about it. No, let's not dwell on that. Sour note from a pitch. <clears throat> really good um uh yeah but but no i think you're right i and and to me i see the warning you know captions auto generated is basically a a a fancier way of saying still in beta testing um but but you're right i noticed what we're seeing is that a lot of these companies seem to be hedging their (laughs) their own technology a little bit like like we're Hang on, this isn't perfected yet. Just FYI, it's you know everything has like a yeah. This is being beta tested tag on it. Mm-hmm. But imagine the da- again, just going back to that machine learning conversation, the data that they can get because I, I haven't watched any of these all the way through, but I imagine there's an there's an opportunity to like flag a correction that needs to be made mm. or something like that. So by going ahead and putting it out there in like a public beta. And, and and activating it on top, IGTV creators, producers, that's just, you've got all of the, the viewers of that content that are potentially then validating or invalidating mm-hmm. the AI's decisions. And so it just makes, you, you can just, you can just validate that stuff so much quicker by putting it out on a platform with an asterisk mm-hmm. than if you were doing it internally to try to perfect it. It's like, you know, it, yes, it's like that admission that we're basically like, we're working on this yeah, and we need your help. Um, like all of those, I'm not a robot things mm-hmm. where we picked out stop signs and crosswalks mm-hmm. and streetlights. That was us helping machine. That wasn't us identifying ourselves as not robots. Right. That was, that was yeah. us helping the machines learn. It was both. It was a two way street. Um, yes. A highlight select all of the boxes with two way streets in it. <laughs> Our next big trend 
Um, anticipated trend. Anticipated trend for 2020. 2020 was more customer journey based content. Um, I can I can say uh, from in my role, I'm talking to a lot of people who are asking for different types of video, and I heard that come up in probably a third of the conversations. It was generally from people who maybe heard it somewhere else and weren't very very sure how to apply it. But but the the, the phrase uh, mapping video content to the customer journey. Yes. I heard that in the third of my conversations. Yeah. And half of them said that because they heard somebody else say it and it sounded good or read a blog article. Well, yeah, because I think it's one of those things that that when you have limited budgets or when you have, you know, when you had a plan for this year that totally got blown up and you have to <clears throat> basically be agile mm-hmm. and pivot and figure out how to make the best out of, you know, the limited budget that you have or the limited opportunities that you have, that is actually one of the best ways to integrate video content is to just put it, fill certain gaps. What is this person asking journey? when yep. they're here? What are they asking when they're here? How do we answer those questions best? So I think yep. even the people who heard it from somewhere else, I think, you know, they might be hearing it from marketing profs or content marketing Institute or whatever, because that is just a, you know, a really high ROI way to say, yep. we've got this video a, budget and if we're going to use it, let's at least use it effectively. It's like, it's a fail safe model. Yes. Yeah. Um, the content that you actually produce is where the the, the riskiness comes in. It's like, yeah. how far do we push it? Do we just answer questions or do we go, you know, take people on a journey? Well, and I think well, what we may see after all of the, you know, we return to normal is that, you know, a lot of people were, were you know, afraid to make video because what they'd been doing was working for so long. Or they were making video for video's sake, and it was kind of working. But all of a sudden this year, everybody was forced to kind of prioritize. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, everybody was forced to prioritize. But, like, marketers were forced to prioritize, right, and make smarter decisions and be more thoughtful about the content they're producing. And and then they're looking into those kinds of things. How can I maximize my ROI? What is – and we've been saying for years, because every annual report that comes out about video statistics, marketers are saying that, like – you know, 87% of marketers are saying that video is their, you know, where they see the biggest ROI. and Or 87% of marketers that use video are saying that's their biggest. And so people have actually had to, I think they had like March, April, and May when they weren't really doing anything to really look at like, what should we be doing differently? And and a lot of, a lot of marketers started thinking more deliberately about video content. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to go away. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to make it harder for for some marketers to justify certain videos, video budgets, things like that. They're just going to have to expect more of a return out of it. They're going to have to have more of a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that. Well, I imagine too, like with, like we discussed before, if you're a salesperson who has become accustomed this year to using video um, to engage your prospects, because whether that's a Zoom meeting or an asynchronous uh, video, I imagine, yes, you're going to want to start to meet with everyone's going to want to meet in person more than maybe you would have last year. But and that'll apply with sales, too. Right. You're going to want to get back into a room with somebody. But I have no doubt that a follow up will no longer just be a follow up email. Right. right? Uh, If you already have, especially if you already have the technology or the platform that your company's invested in, 
it's like, oh, well, I was doing this all last year and it was effective and I got to see whether or not they opened my video and watched it. I'm going to continue doing that. So you can just kind of see how it's now becoming just baked into the evolution of, of, of not just marketing, but sales too. I would say we were correct, but that was kind of an easy one. <laughs> well, yeah, predict. it was certainly, well, yes, it was an easy one to predict and it was accelerated Yeah, by yeah. the year. All right. Um, do you want to do the next one or should we go sponsor? Let's do this next one because I think it's a shorter one. Okay. Where, yeah, so where we see, where we've seen a lot of influencers, you know, how many times do you open up oh, yeah, I see. Uh, Instagram or TikTok? And it's like, a lot of you have been asking about my morning routine or my, what I eat for breakfast or that kind of stuff. Well, our prediction was that that type of influencer would be more prevalent in B2B world. Yeah, so, or the B2B world would find a way to leverage those types of individual yes. communications. Yep. And I have seen, I can say 100%, that has gone up a lot. I see so much, and I think it's aided by things like LinkedIn Live specifically. I see, I get alerts all the time about AJ's going live and Will mm-hmm. Barfield's going live. And, um, and I think that people are, are taking this, again, as part of that, well, I've got the infrastructure, I've got like the cameras and the hardware, I've got the experience, and now this platform has is giving me the ability to go live and, and, and communicate my thought leadership, I'm going to take advantage of it. I've seen that happen a lot this year. I mean, in the second half of this year, LinkedIn and Spotify added stories. Spotify did? Yes. Weird. I don't know how it works, <laughs> but I saw it in the last couple of weeks. What? But LinkedIn and Spotify allow you to create stories, like Instagram stories. What would you do with Spotify stories? I don't know because I don't use Spotify, but I saw the headline and I was like, why? Um, because I'm making a point <laughs> that that supports your point. Uh, great. So Twitter, LinkedIn, and yes, Spotify all released stories, mm-hmm. and and that is um, exactly what you're saying. That enables people to individuals to to share more and build a community, and build an audience yeah. and a community. And then the next step in that process is then for B2B businesses to identify these these people, these influencers. I didn't want to sure. say it, but but these these business influencers to to then have them talk about content. I will also put up on this pile uh, cameo professional. I mean, yep. right? Those are essentially famous people. Mm-hmm. Um, charging out 30 seconds of their time as influencers For to B2B do commercial B2B sorts, commercials yeah. or individual videos yeah. or whatever it is. Like if I have a really high high dollar account that I'm trying to trying to close, have, I could get David Hasselhoff to yes. call their CMO and say, look, this Justin guy, he knows what he's doing. David Hasselhoff doesn't know shit about video, but he'll take the $500. Well, he doesn't know shit about you. But yeah. he knows how to hold his yeah. phone up at a flattering angle yeah. and, and say whatever's on the script mm-hmm. that you wrote for him and take your $500 and, yeah. you know, go do another one. Another angle on this, though, is like the real fruition of like a B2B influencer to me seems like the guys who are 
doing what you're talking about, but then saying, and by the way, here's why I use uh, Monday.com or here's why your business should be using, right? Like they're, yeah. you know, in the same way that that, that B2C influencer mm-hmm. is talking about the protein shake that they drink every morning or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that B2B influencer is essentially using their quote unquote celebrity within that Like world. corporate bro. I think that's the next, as you're saying, that's the next yeah. step, right? Yeah. Is that monday.com will hire this guy because he's really good at project management in this industry. Exactly right. And I hear that. I already hear more um, ads during podcasts that are, you know, about like technology platforms for business versus like things targeting individuals to use at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you're already hearing more of that happening. So I just feel like that's kind of the, the next step in this process. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that's exactly why People Pads um, is sponsoring our podcast. Right. Um, which which I have one on right which now. Which might be a perfect time to go into our People Pads um, mm-hmm. spot. All right. See what I did there? Again, I haven't read, haven't read the copy yet, so just... Yeah, going we're, in fresh. We're, okay. we're all hearing it for the first time, and Justin's wearing one. Great. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right. We've all been there. It's the middle of the night. You're warm and cozy in your big soft bed. When nature calls, what do you do? Stumble through the dark across an ice cold floor and feel your way into the bathroom? Or hold it until morning and do your best to go back to sleep? Truly the Sophie's choice of bodily functions. Well, now you never have to make that choice again, thanks to people pads. People pads from the makers of puppy pads, those little diaper blankets that you lay around the house when you're too lazy to walk your dog. Featuring a triple layer of super soft and highly absorbent 800 thread count Egyptian cotton, people pads will keep you confident and dry throughout the night. Go ahead, glug that glass of water, sip that extra cup of chamomile, or tie a few more on with your buds. Because people pads, you're in control. People pads are now available at Walgreens, CVS, and PetSmart. Thank you, people pads. Yeah, we're happy to have people pads around. Remember, with Absolutely. people pads, you're yeah. in control. I've, it reminds me, I've actually got to go change mine real quick. Oh, okay. I'll be right back. I had about a gallon of water this morning. So it's a Tuesday or a Thursday, whatever day it is. Um. On to uh, continuing our list. Our next um, trend predicted for 2020 was an in-house production increase. I can verify that. Yeah, absolutely. I've not only seen posts and been fed them on Instagram or uh, LinkedIn. I've also had uh, a lot of people that I've been talking to over the past years, either trying to sell to or whatever, send me the the job description say, does this look good? Is there anything I'm missing? Or, or even say like, here's one, can you put this out in your community? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, that, that's happened at least four or five times with just local companies this year. Well, I do imagine that again, we keep talking about the pandemic and how it's influencing things, influencing things. But, uh, again, like people not being able to go outside of their, uh, or maybe just, they just don't know, like, can we shoot on set or whatever? Maybe we should just bring this in house and, uh, set up our own in-house team. We have 
video equipment that we've invested in now. Um, I mean, yeah. Does does Zoom count as an in-house production? I don't know. <laughs> well, if it does, um, then it's absolutely true. I think also it's we really nailed it for for years. We've been screaming at the sky saying video, 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 but like now everybody's figured it out. Mm-hmm. Like it's no longer this like secret or like we'll wait and see kind of thing. Yeah. So I think everybody did kind of go into the year being like, all right, well, this is this is going to be the year we level up our video. Or like this is the year we're actually going to now oh, shift gonna our focus learn, to video. Hit that or, learning curve. Like it, it's just, I, I mean, we're at basically late adopters now, I feel like, um, on the whole video for business thing. So it's like, there's no question anymore. And so regardless of what happened this year, I think people went into the year planning to to I, invest more in it. And one of the ways, one of the really smart ways to do that is to just have people on staff who can churn out again, going back to the beginning, consistent, you know, quantity of, of content. Well, I know we shared earlier in the year, I think it was in 2020, but, um, companies like Anheuser-Busch or, um, you know, acquiring essentially video agencies mm-hmm. and then just putting them into their in-house marketing teams. Yeah. Um, again, not just like an in-house marketing, but like in-house video agencies that they just plucked from, frankly, agencies like our size. Um, and they just say, we're just going to have you work for us full time and do nothing else. I turned down um, many offers. For <laughs> good. Thank you. Purchase. Good. Yeah. yeah. Glad to hear Keep that. Keep our freedom. Yeah. Just, just BCC me on those replies from now on. <laughs> Well, in uh, pure storyboard, Ben, Justin, David fashion, we have run a little bit long. So we're going to continue this in part two of uh, reviewing our 2020 predictions and trends. We'll talk to you next week.